fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca. The timing sucks, cause the maps are ass. But did you see his no-look pass? Whoa! 77 minutes in heaven. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Hello, welcome to 77 Minutes. It's Tim Cato of The Athletic. I write and talk about the Mavericks, um, travel to Mavericks games, um, talk to Mavericks players, do a lot of stuff involving Mavericks just generally. Probably like dream about them sometimes. I don't know. It's a. Uh, Things of that nature, job. Crab Rangoon. Things of that. Crab Rangoon, exactly. And I've, well, I, I, no Crab Rangoons here. I'm actually allergic to shellfish. It's very sad. Oh, I um, learned I learn new things about you all the time, Timmy. I had exactly, no idea. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, so, so not things of that nature, just things of Maverick's nature. Well, um, you know what you're not allergic to, Mike Gallucci? You're not allergic to D-Magazine because you're employed there and nope. work there as an online sports editor. So welcome back. Just sports um, editor. I'm in the magazine, too. We're, okay, I'm everywhere, okay, man. Okay. Sports I, are everywhere. I don't know what your title is. I mean, sports editor. That's I mean. add. I add to the, the the assignments that that I have with the Mavericks. I mean, I write, I talk, and like today, I have like seven other things. So titles are changing. T- titles can be whatever you want them to be. Um, positionless basketball, positionless job titles. You know, see, that's, that's the world we live in in twenty twenty one. See, finally, somebody gets it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're just gonna do a, a quick pod. I think we're back to a weekly schedule uh, on the podcast. Um, well, usually, I think this. This uh, the season we're planning on doing Wednesdays, so there's a quick um, listener update, and it'll be me and Mike a lot. It'll be me and Dave sometimes. I know next week we've got a fun one with um, some very entertaining guests, um, guests with an S. So I'm excited for that. Uh, but we're just going to catch up on a, on a few news items mostly today, and just some general preseason thoughts. I think the first one is just once again the roster and. Which of the 16 guaranteed contracts, technically 15, uh, since Moses Brown is not guaranteed, um, but, but is also right there in the mix with, uh, with Trey Burke fighting for the 15th spot. I, I think the big question is, is that there was new comments from Mark Cuban saying that any employee of his for any company would have to be vaccinated. So does that mean that there is going to be that, that we can toss aside the fit and talent and on court? Uh, nature of this decision that you would usually entail and that it's going to be a moral or, you know, whatever word you want to describe uh, Cuban stance, which I think is fair as a private business owner. Um, and thus it will be Trey Burke who was cut. Um, is that a fair reading of that quote? Do you think that there's any leeway in terms of basketball players being different than most employees who work for most smart Cuban companies? I don't know. I, I don't think anybody knows and that's why it's gonna be interesting to see this in the next 48 ish hours uh remind me when when do they have to finalize these cuts is it can it go right up to, until the eve of the season do we have uh, a week here how long the, the the season's been so like the seasons have been so weird since since the right pandemic. yeah that's why my brain um, is so scrambled with my this memory stuff. is that it, it use it you it's usually the friday before the opening week um the the, the friday evening before the opening week or sometimes the saturday morning um, so I believe it would be this week that they finalize. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're going to find out. I you make the case right because you know setting aside how Mark feels about what he wants the culture 
in the Mavericks to be with vaccination. We're not talking about a guy who is necessarily going to be playing heavy minutes this year unless something goes wrong. Is there a basketball case to be made for why Trey Burke should stick around uh, with all of this taken into account? You know, why would you not cut Trey Burke? What is the case for keeping Trey Burke as opposed to just saying, well, if it's Trey or Moses Brown and Trey doesn't want to be vaccinated, we don't need Trey, then see you, Trey. Yeah, I'm coming around on the idea that even though by basketball merits in a vacuum, Trey Burke is a very fringe NBA player, and uh, I don't know how many other rosters he would make, but because the Mavericks are so devoid of shot creation, uh, because they they literally have... Um, what is it? Three players who created more than, you know, more than 50% of their two point shots were unassisted. Um, that, that they just really have a massive gaping hole at, at any player who can, you know, beat a man off the dribble and then either, you know, find a shot themselves or pass it to someone for, for a jump shot or for a something. And while I don't think Burke, like I said, I don't think last season he was particularly good at doing that. Um, and it was especially hurtful that his three-pointer never really found any consistency, which was what opened up so much of his um, efficiency elsewhere in the bubble uh, during those eight great games he had in the, in the good playoff series. But because this team just doesn't have it anywhere else, and, and at least for the first month or two, will not have it, will not be acquiring it somewhere else, I, I do wonder that you know, it, it, Trey Burke might be a useful player to have at, at, at the end of the bench. And you can especially think about games where Luca misses, which, you know, we're not even talking about a worst case scenario where he's out for, you know, a month. But yeah, he's going to miss a game here and there. And, you know, the Mavericks, he missed five games last year. The Mavericks won one of them. They were one in four in the five games that Luca missed. All five were against teams that were outside of the top 16. Um, one of the losses was against the Thunder. The only win was against the Thunder. They were a very bad team and a very bad offensive team when Luka didn't play last year. And to not have any sort of, you know, they have even less creation. Like Josh Richardson, yeah, it was time for it to move on from him. But it does worry me a little bit that all they have is, you know, losing Josh Richardson, a person who was mildly capable of at least getting some shots here and there on his own. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be able to do it against worse defenses. And... Uh, Sterling Brown will occasionally be able to do it, but you well, Jalen Brunson, Jalen's here. Jalen Brunson's things. the key one. Yeah, of course, right. of course. I, I, if I hadn't mentioned him, apologies. He's obviously the the other main creator on this roster. But on nights where Doncic is out, he's not going to be enough. And those that those offensive, you know, the offense in those games is going to slog. And to not even have an emergency guy that you can throw in there just to see if it's working, uh, just to try to get six good minutes of this person running the offense, beating people off the dribble. It's going to be very systematic and very forced for the offense to score points um, in, in games like that. And so I don't know if I'm like officially on team wave Moses Brown and keep Trey Burke. I don't have strong feelings towards Burke it, as a basketball player. I just have concerns about the way the roster is built. Is it definitely for you, because this is zero-sum, right? If you keep Trey Burke, someone's got to go. For you, is there any other contender besides Moses Brown? Are you saying, basically, Frank Nilekina should be on this roster, hands down, going into opening night? Uh, I think I think Frank... If I had to rank the order of who I think gets waived, it's probably um, Burke, then Brown, then Frank. I think the... 
the vibe I get is that he's definitely going to be on the roster. And he does, you know, like when you have players at the end of the bench, it's good for them to have like a one elite skill. And even if, you know, in every other area they're, they're kind of lacking, usually, you know, often it's shooting, you know, often you have like your 14th man. It's just a Ryan Brokoff um, or a, I don't know, a, uh, oh man, who was I thinking of? Um, Brian Cardinal is, is kind of a, kind of another example, <laughs> just like this random muck it up shooter, uh, that you have to the end, into the bench you throw in there. Um, Boban's another example is someone whose elite skill is just making the game different. Um, Nilakina has an elite skill of perimeter defense and there's going to be games where you just cannot slow down a, a perimeter player that you're facing and that skill set and that skill, uh, would be really useful to be able to throw into a game. And I don't think Trey has elite, uh, you know, dribble capabilities on ball shot creation abilities. I think it's clear he proved last season that, you know, he really regressed in that area as compared to what we saw in the bubble. But he's at least has those skills more so than pretty much everybody, anybody else on the roster that isn't, you know, the two main creators uh, in Luca and Brunson. And just from, again, just from the way this roster is constructed, I, I do wonder if there might be a bit more of an argument for Burke to be on the roster, even though I still think he's probably the one who's going to get waived. Yeah, I mean, my counter-argument to you and my argument in support of Trey being the odd man out is twofold. It's one, I don't think you're wrong, but if you are depending on Trey Burke to bail you out in these situations, right, then you're probably not doing that well in these games to begin with. Because obviously, and bail you out is a strong term because, again, we're talking about six minutes of Trey Burke. But how much are these six minutes swinging Either way, and how desperate are you uh, if Trey Burke is the answer? Because Trey isn't – you don't know what you're getting, right? You could sit there and budget these six minutes for Trey, but there have been a lot of times where he gets in there and in about 90 seconds you realize whether he's got it or not. He, that's just how he is. He runs hot. He runs cold. The other argument of this that makes it easy for me is just 7-2 big men do not grow on trees. And ones that have some ability and some intrigue of Moses Brown. And – Sure, this team is in this weird spot of they need to start winning because Luca's ready to start winning, but they're not ready to really contend. So how do you how do you play around with that? Well, for me, if we we talk about how we've all talked about this, you, me, Dave, most of you listening know this. There isn't a ton of variance on this roster in a lot of places. I think we know what a lot of these guys are, and the young players who have some of it. We haven't seen enough justification from a Josh Green or a Tyrell Terror to say, yes, this is going to work out the way we thought. So I don't think they're in a position to necessarily toss away a prospect, more of a lottery type ticket prospect, right? Moses Brown has to hit on a lot of things to really become an impact player, but they are so short on young, intriguing pieces that I would not get rid of that for a Trey Burke if the upside is a few minutes in a few games that may work or may not. And that's before the vaccination component. So to me, I think you got to keep Moses. Uh, I think you're dead on that they obviously need more creation, but I don't think the drawbacks of what Trey might bring from the larger perspective of vaccination versus not vaccinated. uh, And also just, I don't think I'm ready to give him a Moses Brown for nothing because Moses Brown will get a job. You weigh Moses Brown, Moses Brown is going somewhere. There's zero doubt about that. I think they should at least see, you know, even if this just means for a few more months and maybe Moses Brown is in a trade in February. I don't know. But I don't think there is a justification to give up on him just yet for nothing. 
I don't know if he has a game where he seriously contributes to the Mavericks in the next two seasons um, in a way that is like impactful within the context of a game. I, I think that he, what he provides his impact level is pretty similar, frankly, to Boban's. Um, obviously, athletically, they're different, but in terms of how they actually affect a game, I, I just don't see what he does that's radically different than what Boban does. Um, honestly, he's not even that different from Kali Stein. He's a better rebounder, but he's a much worse defender. And in terms of just being big and dunking the ball, uh, they both do that. Um, do you agree with me on Frank that Frank should make the roster out of these three? Yeah, I do. I, I think okay. Frank offers enough of a dimension. I think you can at least tell yourself a little bit of a story in his tiny shooting sample numbers from last year that maybe there could be some modicum of growth. He's young enough. He's talented enough. He knows what he does and does well, and they need that thing. Like There will be situations. It's hard for me to talk myself into too many situations with Trey making a difference. I think there will be absolutely some stretches in random games where Frank's out there for a few minutes and you know, sort of leveling the, the ship a little bit when things look leaky. Yeah, Frank should be here. Yeah, that's fair. And then the other the other name we can toss out there is probably Ty Tyrell Terry, um, but I think that's a situation where we just don't know. We have no, like, we don't have information. It's I think I think it's possible that that I don't think it's likely. I, th- I think it's very. I, I do think it's most likely to be Burke, but I, I think it's possible that if the Mavericks, you know, based off what they know about the Tyrell Terry situation, um, partial I partially mean his absences, but I mostly mean like what he actually looks like in practice and how yeah. their evaluation of him um, uh, as a prospect, as a player, who he could be in the future, whether that's changed. And if that's changed in a very negative way, um, it's not something we would know right now, but it, right. it would be something that could potentially lead to him being waived and then keeping everyone else. So Yeah, and in such a scenario, we come back next week, and I, I, we will not have any real meaningful analysis because we just don't know. This is a situation right. where we have so little info to go on from what we've seen on the outside so that's yeah it's a good call to mention because there is probably you have to you can't take it off the table just because we have no idea right so anyway i think we're we're more or less in agreement on that and we can uh we can kind of kind of move on it'll be interesting to see it is it is pretty damning that 2020 the the 2020 draft you know many people said many people said going into it i said we said Everybody said, you know, that that's a that's the last chance that you're going to be able to add young players. And they're looking over three. Uh, you can. I believe I believe Tyler Bay was the only player drafted in the top 40 who is not currently on a roster somewhere. You listeners, this is not a video podcast. You cannot see me in my conductor's hat of the Josh Green bandwagon uh, sitting here with a sad, sad frown on my face. Uh, but believe me, the hat is. A little beaten up, a little tattered. Uh, we've taken some hits in the Josh Green bandwagon. Not often entirely, but uh, not looking super great right now. It's a very, very Australian-looking hat. Is there? Is, does does Australia sure. have any hats that are known to them? Listen, just like, I just learned that there is an, an Australian restaurant in Plano. Now, I don't even know what Australian cuisine is. I was looking at the Yelp reviews. Oh, yeah, I've strong. also heard of Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> no, there's some spot that is Australian. And it's got some like weird looking Sunday type things that look delicious. I don't know. I might venture on out there. Maybe Josh Green will join us in Plano well, at the Australian our, joint. Uh, but our producer suggests the hat is a is a crocodile. Our producer Kent he says a crocodile Dundee hat. That's what I'm sitting so in right that's, now. That's that's what you should imagine, listener, right now. That um, 
our very sad, lonely conductor, the last resident of Josh Green Island. Choo-choo! That's the saddest, <laughs> saddest get-aboard whistle you will ever hear in a train. Yeah, it's not looking good. Abrupt transition. Uh, why aren't the Mavericks shooting threes, Mike? Yeah, so to, to give a little context here and shout out to the great Owen Phillips on Twitter. Uh, he put out a graph this morning, and it is changing three-point rate as of today. So, you know, it's important to note we are recording before the preseason game tonight. That is supposedly this Mavericks team's dress rehearsal, which means... So the enormous sample size of two games the two is what games we're working with right with, now. <laughs> right, yeah. So, you know, take this with a Morton's uh, entire salt shaker of salt. Uh, but the change of three-point rate from the regular season last year through the 20, you know, through the preseason of these two games, the Mavericks have the largest differential in terms of, uh, you know, largest decrease in amount of three-point attempts between then and now. So uh, that had made some rounds today on Twitter. And my response is like, aside from the usual, hey, it's two games, I don't know why we're necessarily i think a lot got made of between this and between jason kidd's comments about we need to have more of a multi-dimensional offense that aren't three-pointers and frankly i think some of this is just some of i I don't think this discourse would go around if there wasn't baked in skepticism of all things jason kidd uh and all things jason kidd which is deserved but i agree deserved to a point but I think yes, like it's gonna fair. get ex- yeah. it's gonna get real exhausting real fast if literally everything that he says or does in the first minute he does it, people are like, oh, this is gonna suck because that guy sucks. Like we don't know. There's obviously negative history to go on, but in a case like this, I really think more is being made of it because it's preseason. I genuinely do believe that they are trying to work on things. Not that NBA teams use preseason games to work on too much compared to, I don't know, like spring football scrimmages in college football or whatever. But I do genuinely believe that they are working on some things that are not going to be the typical flow of this offense because they know they can play four-out, five-out ball. They know they can play Luka do stuff and everybody else shoot threes. They're not signing the profile players they're signing, Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown, if this was not still very much part of their plan. So let's all pump the brakes at teensy yeah yeah where i'm at with kid is is like i want him to prove himself improve his coaching acumen but i am not entering the season expecting for him to fail or expecting him not to prove that and for everything to go disastrously i think that there may be some quirks that are evident that i criticize that we criticize that mavericks twitter and reddit and internet online dumb criticizes but i'm not expecting for his coaching style to you know in coaching decisions to make this team play five wins worse than they would be expected to now i don't know if they're going to have the five win bump that a lot of carlisle kid uh, carlisle coach teams had um and yeah certainly have questions and, and i have I, I don't know if we actually talked about it in the podcast um I, we might have a couple weeks ago about where i think his defensive, I think it's the defense where it's going to have more influence. I know we haven't talked about, um, I have a little bit on institutional knowledge uh, within the Mavericks and how the Dwight Powell decision really did feel like, um, you know, him as the starter really felt like it was a, it was always headed that direction. It wasn't that kid, you know, sat down even before he got hired and said, this is the lineup I envision. No, he came into this team and yes, he has influence and no, I'm not minimizing his role as head coach, but it's not absolute control 
um, and it never was going to be. And I think that, you know, he even mentioned this when, when he, he gave a quote, um, I want to say after a practice last week where he talked about going to the committee or going, going to the, the core, I forget the exact terminology. Um, and, and collectively they decided Dwight Powell made sense as the starter. And so I, I think it was cabinet, right? I've heard that term. Cabinet, cabinet, cabinet. Yeah, I think yeah, it yeah, was yeah, cabinet. Yeah. That sounds right. And I should have followed up. I will at some point and, and kind of see what, uh, you know, who he refers to by meaning that. But, you know, it's not hard to guess. Like we know who has influence, yeah. you know, obviously Cuban mostly, but also Casey Smith is someone with a lot of influence within this team. Um, you know, Michael Finley remains around and, and certainly has Nico influence. Harrison. Yeah, Nico Harrison. Yeah. Dirk Nowitzki. Has, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I don't know how much Dirk is like trying to say, let's start Dwight Powell. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I guess if he tried to. If he tried um, then, to, the voice would be heard. But the point yeah. is, is that, the yeah, other, this is... I, I would say the other influence is, is just the analytics department. And, you know, yeah. even even with Bob not providing his own analytics, which, you know, for the most part, pretty much lined up with, you know, it was, it was weird that there was kind of two different analytic viewpoints being filtered into the team. And that caused a lot of the... The issues with uh, with Volgaris is just that it, it you know like very similar perspectives were being shared from a very similar uh, uh, platform uh, to my understanding. Um, but yeah, like they're they're still a very analytically focused team, and they still have a lot of people employed uh, in that department who are providing advice and, and thoughts and theories. And so, basically, my broad point is just that I, I don't think that just because the Mavericks made two huge, massive moves and changes at, at GM and at head coach. I just don't think the team's going to feel radically different, that the franchise is going to feel radically different than where they did, you know, where they were a year ago, um, where they were five years ago. I, I think that institutionally, this is, this is a team that's still pretty samey same. And as a result, going back to the, the actual genesis of the combo, they're going to shoot threes because they've been shooting threes for years now. And they have clearly focused their identity for years now to be one of the top three to five uh, teams in a- attempted three-pointers. And they've consistently done that. And they were doing that even before they got Luka. And those years that they were tanking, they were shooting a shit ton of threes. And that's like there's no reason that's not going to continue now that you have the best three-point creator for his teammates in the entire league, which Luca is. I, I do believe that. I mean, you could quibble with LeBron or Jokic, but those are the two. Like like he is he is an absolute undeniable shot maker and he's surrounded by shooters. They're gonna shoot a lot of threes. I just don't see any way that Luca doesn't let them make them like force them to do that. Um just given the personnel and, and given that he's a savant who knows exactly how to run the offense that makes it as efficient as it's gonna be. Yeah, I mean it's the institutional knowledge point is great because what it effectively and I, I suppose I should clarify here, like at least to start the year, I don't think that's a bad idea. You have a team that, if nothing else, right, if you are betting on internal improvement, specifically with regards to a different coach and a different voice changing the culture, and however much they say this or don't, they are betting on just everybody in this team being healthier and more ready for the season than they were a year ago, which a lot of teams are, but this team, especially between, we talked about this with Luca with Porzingis, but really, even if you just look at just how much more spry Maxi, Maxi Dwight look in the preseason. So if you really want to bet on that to start, you need to isolate. You need, the first thing you need to do is find out just how right you are that, Hey, maybe a culture changes of health will fix things. You need a baseline for how much better you look. 
And so I don't mind them saying, you know what, let's run back a lot of this stuff, switch up a couple variables, one being just the team's going to be healthier and readier and more ready for this year, and two being the obvious Jason Kidd factor, and see where that gets us. And then if that doesn't work, adjusting. Now, the key aspect is you have to adjust. You have to be willing to look yourself in the mirror and say, this is not working. We need to tweak this if it gets to that point. And we will find out if this group is capable of doing that reflection the way they need to if and when something comes up. But to start the year, I really don't mind them saying, screw it, let's try the same lineup. You know, is uh, our Iztok Franco over at D Magazine wrote a really good piece about how they need to milk good results out of that lineup. But one thing we know pretty well for certain is like in the regular season, that starting lineup will get you buckets. That starting lineup will put points on the board. That starting lineup, you could ride that to probably, you know, close to 50 wins right there. Because yeah. even if Porzingis is as bad defensively as he was last year, and I don't think he will be, but even if he is, they will put up so much in the offensive end, it won't matter. It will get them cooked in the postseason. Do not get me wrong, but it will work in the regular season. So, sure, run it out, try it, see what you have. But they just need to be nimble circa January or so if they're realizing, okay, these are our holes. This is not working. This is not just a, oh, uh, a small sample thing, but a hangover related to years past from this exact philosophy that has not gotten better with a new coach or improved health. Now we need to do something. That's going to be the test. And we won't know that probably until the new year. And I could see the same thing happening, you know, even with something like Chris Stapp's post-ups. And so if, if, if kid feels really strongly that either kid, that Porzingis will be good at it or that it's just the right way to manage him as a star player, right? That if for the first 10 games, he's going to get at least five called post-ups. Um, you know that Mark Cuban will be emailing the analytics department and being like, update me after every game with the points per possession on his post-ups, <laughs> on, on which ones he took, where it came from. Like that institutional knowledge will eventually win out if KP just isn't good at it. If, if those, if those touches, if those plays, um, are, are needed early on only to prove once again that they're not the right path forward for this team. Whatever. I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't know the exact dynamics. I don't know what uh, Porzingis needs to be, you know, codified. Um, I, I just. I don't know. But uh, you know, an increase in post ups and mid ranges, mid rangers, until once again proven that that's not the right approach for Porzingis, and he really needs to kind of focus on the things that he did well last season, um, and really just needs to be better defensively. That's the biggest way that he could pr- improve this team. That's all fine with me. Like, let's like if if we're if we're ten games in and it's still happening, um, I'm not too worried. If we're thirty games in and it's a consistent drain on the offense, yeah, that's a different story. And and that's when I start putting my foot down and saying they are actively shooting themselves in the foot. But you know, for the for the short term, I, I'm just not too worried. And I, I think that stuff like that will be. Uh, it's particularly with just how good the offense will be with 95 percent of what it does, which is just letting Luca be Luca, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too worried. So on that note, I mean, I think that's all I have. So we just kind of rambled on for a couple topics. Uh, next week's podcast will be very fun. Um, I think I mentioned that earlier. I did mention that earlier. So now I'm just repeating myself. Can't overhype so, fun. No, dude, there's no nah, overhyping you can, fun. You can't, you can't. Well, it'll be fun because you won't be on it, Mike. So that is the most fun. Yeah, have you ever thought about that? So uh, I guarantee you some people listening have. <laughs> all right on that note um we're gonna get out of here thanks for being here as always mike i think you're a lot of fun um, thank you friend. no matter what others might 
And uh, we will, uh, I will see you in a couple weeks. We will see you, the listener, next week. Um, and there were there there will be a season beginning once again. It's pretty crazy. Real basketball. Anyway, let's do it. We'll talk about it then. See y'all. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! (laughs) It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. (laughs) Woo!